This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Well, guys, this is going to be a good day. We are going to talk with Jackie Hill Perry about something before your eyes glaze over. Remember, this is the foundation of all we believe as Christians. We're going to talk about the fact that God is holy. And some of you have never thought about this for more than one second. So hang on. This is going to be awesome. You are listening to the Made for This podcast. Let's go. Dwell is an audio Bible app we have fallen in love with. Dwell's mission is simple, to help you get in the Word and stay in the Word. With several inspiring voices, Bible translations, and original background music, you're going to love listening to Scripture. Go to dwellapp.io slash this to get 10% off a yearly subscription or 33% off Dwell for Life. Now, here's Jenny. Okay, Jackie Hill Perry, I feel like I got a special treat because I got your book before even copy edits and I've read a lot of it. And I I texted you this morning. I feel like I just read some Tozer, which is saying something. He's, he's one of my favorites. In fact, I read him every year just to center myself and remember the power and the glory of God. And so everybody that reads this is going to going to feel that way. And and I'm excited to talk to you about this because I think the word is intimidating to people. Was it intimidating to you when you started this project? No, because to me I I made holiness about God and to me God isn't necessarily intimidating. Well, <laughs> to the people listening, holiness feels like a word that they, they don't even know what it means a lot of people. So so why don't we start there? Let's start with the definition. What is the term? What does holiness mean? So usually when uh, people think about the term holy, they only think about it in, in, in the context of like something being moral or pious or righteous or, you know, without sin, religious. And so when we apply it to God or even ourselves, we say, I am holy insofar as I don't sin, right? Um, but holiness is broader than that. Um, holiness kind of has two meanings and I'll, I'll explain it the way I explained it to my daughter. I said, for God to be holy means that God is good and that God is unique. Um, and so the good part is that he is without sin. He cannot sin and will never sin. Uh, the unique part is that God simply exists differently than us. And so that's what holiness means. It means that God is morally pure and that God is different and distinct from everything else that exists. So those of you that, that don't know this, there are scriptures that talk about his holiness being imparted to us. Talk about that and what that means, because that's not evident in my everyday life. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, when Jesus died for us and we believed in his name, I think it's in Hebrew somewhere, that we were sanctified. And to be sanctified means, or even 1 Corinthians 6, 9, 11, it says, uh, for such were some of you, but you were washed and you were sanctified and you were justified by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. Um, To be sanctified is to be empowered now to live a righteous and a pure and a good holy life. But it also means that I've been set apart from the world unto like to do God's bidding. Mm. (laughs) And so the difference is God is set apart from us in the sense that he is different from us and exists differently from us. But we're not like, I'm just like you in terms of humanity, you know, but I'm set apart from the world and in, in that I don't function like the world. And I'm trying not to think like the world. And I'm not, I'm trying not to like listen to the world. I'm actually trying to serve the world by introducing Jesus to them. And so really our holiness is, yeah, I want to be righteous like Jesus and I want to be different. This was one of my favorite quotes. It says, if God is holy, then he can't sin. If God can't sin, then he can't sin against me. If he can't sin against me, shouldn't that make him the most trustworthy being there is? I was like, girl, yes. Like that, that is why this matters, right? We can't just keep this as some definition in our head. Like this has got to move into our heart because it should build trust. Yeah, it's huge. And what brought about that thought is, I don't remember how it started, but I remember where it started to form in my brain. I was at church and my pastor quoted from Jeremiah 2. When Jeremiah, you know, quotes God by saying, what wrong did your fathers find in me? I think that's the question that God is constantly asking us is that I am so completely good that I really should be trustworthy, you know? Mm. Um, so why is it? What is it about me as a person, as a being that you don't think that I'm more worthy to you than idols? And I think that's a really good question. I'm a theology girl. Like that's my greatest passion. When I went to seminary, I would sit in theology classes and I would just cry because what I saw was what I believed about God would and did leak into every part of my life. And it scared me for people because I thought, gosh, this feels so essential to understand for me to have a perspective of how to parent, for me to have a perspective of how to make choices about money, for me to have a perspective of why it matters that I believe, you know, this and not this. And it was it was down into the everyday grid of my relationships in my life that I felt like my theology was required. And I know you feel this way, but I'm looking at a generation that you know, they want more of a, you know, a simple kind of understanding of this verse, this verse out of context. What's your passion for people to truly understand something like the holiness of God? Like sell somebody listening right now on why they want to go into the depths of this stuff. Well, in Romans one, it indicts, you know, us by saying all people have sinned against God and fallen short of his glory. And one of the indictments is that we choose created things over the creator. We don't honor God as God. And I always wonder, are we not honoring God as God because we're not spending a time enough time studying who God is? I think if you actually tapped into 
the being of God as good, as faithful, as true, as wise, as eternal, as self-existent, as, as all the things that he is in reality. And then you compare that to the creatures that you're, you have a tendency to love more than him. Then you start to see, oh, I'm actually chasing after broken cisterns that can't even give me what I need when God has positioned himself or revealed himself to me as living water. So much of the contrast about serving God and idols constantly in the scriptures in the old testament in particular is always comparing the fact that god is sufficient idols are not and so that's my passion is to say we we will not understand how good and how worthwhile he is if we are not reading the book where he is revealed how good and how worthwhile he is Mm. and some people would say i'm reading that book i don't understand i don't get what you're getting out of this what would you say to that question Well, I would want to affirm that God has given us as image bearers the ability to comprehend. So we do have the ability to learn and to understand. That's one. Two, I do think that in this TikTok culture, we don't have the patience to sit with a passage long enough to understand. You know, like we get to John 3, 16 and it's like, oh, for God so loved the world that gave his own son, but I don't want to read the rest of the verses because that, that's going into some dark time. I don't want to read Judges. I ain't messing with Ezekiel. Jenny going to have to teach me that. Where it's like, no, like all of scripture is God breathed. All of scripture is profitable. And so I, I think there's in one sense where we need to walk by the spirit and what does the spirit empower us to do? To be patient and to, to have long suffering and to sit with a passage until we get from it what we need. And I think there's a lot of blessing in that kind of endurance. So another quote I love is this. It says, the soil from which all sin grows is unbelief. We sin because it is our nature to do so. But it's not as if we always sin unintentionally, like depraved robots without the ability to behave according to reason. We are thoughtful with our rebellion. There is a level of reasoning within us when we decide which golden calf we'll love on any given day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think we we tend to think, yeah, we're sinners. We're all sinners. But that's way more offensive to God than we give it credit for. Mm. I do think that unbelief is at the root of this. However, it's a hard thing to wrangle down. It's a hard thing to to say, okay, this is this is the root of my sin. It's unbelief. Tie it for everybody. Tie sin and our rebellion, which is real and we're guilty of, to our unbelief. Well, I I think one of the clearest examples is to look at the garden. God told Adam, hey, eat from every tree, accept the knowledge of good and evil. The day you eat of it, you shall surely die. So that's God speaking, God giving a law. That's God's word, right? Then Satan comes and he says, hey, the day you eat of it, you won't die you'll be like God. That's another word. That's another option. So now they have two words. If one is believed, then God is obeyed. If another is believed, then God is disobeyed. What did they believe? They believed the word of the serpent over the word of the Lord. And so their behavior or the way they function began with what they believed about God, which was that God was not telling the truth. So because we all have come underneath Adam and have inherited this sin, everything we do consciously or even unconsciously 
at its core is what we believe about God. So like when I spoke with if, if gathering, most of us don't give our anxieties to God. Why? Because we don't believe he cares. That is why God says, hey, give me your anxieties. Why? Because I care for you. <laughs> right. So it, it really all works in tandem. There are a lot of people listening that are going, okay, I want that to be true, but I do blame God. It doesn't feel like he's perfect. It doesn't feel like he's loving. It doesn't feel like in my personal life, I have experienced the goodness of God. What would you say to them? Man, well, that's the the idea of suffering. You know, if God is good, why would he allow all these kinds of things to happen? You know, I was molested uh, like I was, you know, I dealt with sex, sexual abuse, uh, fatherlessness, all kinds of stuff. Even in this pandemic, I mean, my Lord, <laughs> it's like uh, many people have gone through some crazy suffering that they did not plan for or account for. But I think our circumstances can never be the have the final say on what we believe about God, because God Himself has revealed Himself, and so that's there's a level of trust there where we have to say, what does God say about Himself? But not only that, what does God say that He's going to do? God has promised that He's going to restore this world. God has promised that all things will work together for the good of those who love God and are, are called according to His purpose. God has promised that our trials are doing something good in us. And so I even think that that's one, really one odd but hopeful way to look at it, that even the bad things, God is so sovereign over them that they'll work out for my good. Um, but not only that, God was not distant from our suffering as if he was some God that could not hear and could not see and could not come down like the idols. Just like with ex Exodus, God saw his people in suffering and he came down to do something about it, sending Moses. Jesus, God, I mean, God saw our suffering, saw our sin, saw our rebellion, and he did not ignore it, nor was he apathetic towards it, but he came down himself in the person of Jesus Christ and lived and suffered too. And so I think there's a way in which we can say, man, even Jesus empathizes with my suffering in a way that I never will even understand. So Dwell is an audio Bible app that Zach and I love using while we're driving around and we've used it for years. You can change the volume on the voice and the background music and even repeat verses to memorize. It's completely customizable. They even have a new feature where you can search the whole Bible for a verse and listen to it with one click. They have so many unique voices to choose from and lots of different translations. What I love is just pushing play and listening to Felix read scripture to me because the way he reads it, it's like I'm experiencing it for the very first time. Verses that I've known, even memorized all my life, and I hear things that I've never heard before just because of the way he reads it. So if you're kind of feeling bored or stagnant with your time with Jesus, this is such a powerful way to kind of refresh that. To put in your AirPods and just walk around the neighborhood to have scripture read over you, it is so unique and it is so powerful. Go to dwellapp.io slash made for this to get 10% off a yearly subscription or 33% off Dwell for Life. You and I both believe that the more that we gaze upon God, the more we change. It's not necessarily just about our behavior modification in life that changes us. It's as we know God and believe God more, we are motivated to change and we actually change. But practically, there is still 
work for us to do, right? It, it's still, we've got to pursue holiness. We've got to not give in to our sin. And this week we're talking about not dabbling in sin. And this is a huge motivation as to why. So talk just a little bit about what it looks like to believe God and to actually do the work of change, because it's not easy to not sin. Well, I have a chapter in the book towards the end called Beholding We Become, because when I was growing up and even now, you know, being somebody who goes to a lot of conferences and things like that, sometimes the messaging about how to live holy is is more about stop, stop sinning, stop being rude, stop being a meanie, stop watching porn, stop having idols, stop drinking too much. It's always stop, 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 stop. And I don't think that that actually helps us. I think what helps us is to say, behold, look up. Look at God, see him, watch him, learn him, observe him. And by beholding, we become, which is actually 2 Corinthians 3, which says that we are like when we look at the glory of God, we become like him. That's one motivation that I would encourage people to do is, man, open the scriptures and pay attention to the son of God. Mm -hmm. Open the scriptures and watch how he moves. Open the scriptures and watch how he loves. And out of that flows a faith in God that then helps us to live like God. Uh, but there's also beholding isn't like passive because you can think, oh, okay, just read the Bible and I'll, I'll become holy. It's like, no, beholding by nature is already active. I have to do something to behold. And I also have to be, obey. There are times when, yeah, I know God is good. I don't want to break up with this person. I know God is good and I don't want to leave this job that's making me a greedy person. I know God is good, but all these things, you know, uh, but it says like work out your salvation with fear and trembling. At the end of the day, God has given us his spirit and helps us to obey. God has given us a church, a community, other believers that can pray us towards obedience and can challenge us and hold us accountable towards obedience. And I think at the end of the day with that, there's joy. If you are in Christ Jesus, you know darn skippy well that sin has never made you happy. Mm -hmm. It might have momentarily, but it did not last. Then there was shame and there was condemnation and there was confession. There was all this messiness and all this nastiness you got to do. Uh, but man, in Christ Jesus, when you obey, like real fruit and real joy overflows. You have a dramatic story with this that you told in your first book. <laughs> so I want to ask you, though, because everybody can go read that. It's Gay Girl, Good God. And I want to ask, though, how do you experience this now in your life? Uh, there's OK. So even two weeks ago, I got a booking request to do or participate in some ministry event, and they were offering me a very high amount of money that I don't even ask for. And I was like, you know what? This will like this will cover a couple mortgages, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> wowzers. And I felt convicted, not because I don't, I don't think it's a matter of only a set number is always righteous. I think it's a matter of walking by the spirit, engaging with the Lord uh, is saying, but I felt kind of compelled to, to, you know, to, to ask God about it. So I talked to the Lord about, you know, why do I feel away? And I felt as if God was saying, I want you to take literally maybe set 15% of that number. And what comes to my mind is the passage where it says that people shouldn't desire to be rich. You know, and so when I'm obeying, 
is guarding my heart from the greediness that's present within it. That's so Does good. That hurt? Did it yep. sting a little? Sure. But I also had joy in knowing, do I trust God to be my provider or not? Because yeah. oftentimes underneath greediness is the fear that God will not provide for you. So you're hoarding. You want manna to keep coming, even though he said it's going to come every day. <laughs> so, well, and what you're saying is so cool because it's not something that's written out, right? Like it, it isn't just, this is how much you can receive for something and no more. It was something you had to seek God and get his counsel on and his conviction about. And let's go into that a little bit deeper because a lot of people listening are going, oh gosh, I don't. I don't live that way. Like I don't, I don't take something to God and just say, do you want me to have this or not? I mean, what does that look like for you to process that with God really specifically? I'm going to be honest. When I read, when I was writing this book, cause it, 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 it took me about two years. I prayed during it. God help this change me. Cause I, I didn't want it to just be a book where I learned a bunch of stuff. Cause that I was like, that will make me a, a, a surefire hypocrite if I write this excellent book and it does nothing to my life and how it changed me is that I, I, I see God as better and more of a father than I did before I started. And it isn't the book itself. It's all of the Bible study I, I had to do for it. And so I say that because now I feel like God is safe. And so I feel like what he leads me to do or not to do is really good for me. And I, that sounds really simple, but that's how I feel. And so because of it, I've been so much more willing to take everything to God in prayer because I believe his yes and his no are all I really need in this life, you know? And mm. so, yeah, that's why I, I just really, I really am convinced in this season. Cause, and I say in this season, cause some suffering might hit me across the head where I'm, I'm struggling But in this season. I really do believe that God is just good. When you look out to the generation that is your age and younger, are you discouraged? Hmm. No, I am fearful of what is happening and what is to come because there seems to be a really distinct like separation from reality in our day and age where just our feelings and our ideas and just you know the creature is just is is yeah it's like we we really believe that our our laws are authoritative and I don't mean judicial laws I mean like this person should act like this. You shouldn't say that. You shouldn't think this way. I am what I believe I am, that type of thing. Um, and so I think that scares me for this society. Um, it scares me because it's like, man, God really is a king and he really is a creator and he really gave us a law that should be obeyed. And if not, the judge is on the way. <laughs> but I'm not discouraged because I really believe that God is going to do what he said he's going to do, which is use his church to bring light into this world. And so the church, I'm not worried about them. It's the world. Yeah. And I see, I actually am really encouraged because I see the division happening where the religious are kind of, <laughs> it's just not, it's not necessary anymore. You know, there's not this sense of I'll attend church because that's what people do, you know, so that, that kind of old Christianity is gone. And what's rising up, I see in my daughter and her friends is something that's, it contains a lot of zeal and, and passion. But what I also see and why I think you're such an important voice for this generation is I see 
a diminishment of knowledge, that that there's not this understanding. They might be a lot of zeal, but there's not this coupling with training and really learning the scriptures. What would you say to to that age group about the essentialness of knowing God through the scriptures? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Cause I would ask the question of, are they reading in general? You know, what is the, what is, what, what is the content being consumed and poking at that? But I would say, man, this is an ancient book that is so incredibly relevant and every believer, young, old, middle age, whatever, has questions about how to be themselves, who God is, what to do with the world and culture. Uh, like it's, it, there's answers in this book. <laughs> you know, there really are answers. It's 66 books. It's a whole lot. And so that's what I would say is like, you have questions, God has answers and go to the source and trust and believe that through the spirit of God, you can understand what's being written. I also, my charismatic self also has to warn people, we are in a spiritual war. The devil does not want you to read the Bible. He hates the Bible. He only uses it to tempt you towards sin like he did with Jesus in Luke four. And so, hey, if you wanna fight the devil for real, outside of Twitter, read your Bible. Amen. So good. Thanks for being here, girl. That was amazing. Thank you guys so much for being part of this community. We do not take it for granted that so many of you show up week after week. If this is blessing you, we would love for you to go help this podcast be found by other people. And the way you can do that, first subscribe so that you actually get all of the episodes. You don't miss anything. It shows up right on your phone or on your device. And you know when we have a new episode. And then also rate and review. Your rates and reviews help the charts and that helps people find the podcast. So that's why we care about that. And let's be real. It's really fun to read your stories. Sometimes it feels a little bit like we are just throwing all these words out into thin air. And then we go read your reviews and they're so thoughtful and kind and it means so much to us. Chloe and I will text each other, you know, just to encourage each other. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for supporting this podcast. Thank you.